back to the TGen Squadron Squadcast, official podcast of TGen Squadron on YouTube Gaming. My name is Angus. With me today are three other members of our panel from, I don't actually know the orientation of the face cans, but we got Globku, Rurikon, and Average Adam. As always, guys, remember that this podcast is available on the Google Play Store. That's what it's called, right? Google Play Store? I believe so. As well as the iTunes Store and SoundCloud. And now we're on Facebook too, man. (laughs) Although there is the word store in there, these uh, episodes are free. Until we make it big and we're like Tony Stark and we just start charging people like $300 (laughs) per episode. Then then you're kind of fucked but for now it's free um yes we are on facebook we're live streaming to facebook thank you for that Rui. <laughs> yeah, uh, as always guys we want to start off by thanking our sponsors we got three diamond tier sponsors to thank today starting with brad miller aiden deneen and adam mims thank you guys for sponsoring us on our patreon page patreon.com squadron you guys help to make this podcast as well as all the other content we do on youtube and squadron network wide possible so thank you very much uh that was quite a mouthful how's your guys's uh week how's your week been anything out in the ordinary happen oh yeah. boy uh, <laughs> get started glovku i mean tgn assigned me the no man's sky review uh yeah. so i haven't slept much um I finally wrote it. Still need to edit, edit that video. Should be done today, but it was one hell of a week. I've, of I, no Man's I Sky. Yeah, I haven't played this much of a game in a really long time. Uh, yeah, it's, it's it's taken a toll. I'm I'm very very tired. Uh, so, but that's been pretty much my week. Yeah, ever since Tuesday, I just haven't done anything else. So yeah, you getting that whole like. That whole like surround sound uh, experience. When I play on console, I, I got. Know. I don't think this is surround sound. Just I got. <clears throat> I uh, I run the aux out on my TV into a preamp, and then I run some fat ass head like fat ass headphones into it, you know. And then I just put the he- headphones on while I'm playing console, and it's like a PC experience. I love it. My TV actually has a good sound card. The reason I bring that up is because the game has amazing audio. Um, they does. got all types of ambiance and and good shit, good audio in that game. It's I was actually experience. I was actually surprised because I was going through um, a couple of um, you know those uh, succinct reviews that you you see aggregated on Reddit and stuff like that. And there were actually a lot of reviews that were saying the game's sound is garbage, and I was like, what? What's the basis for that? I don't know. <laughs> I wish I Where are they did. getting that from? He's probably got his 90 uh, headphones. You remember those? The big spongy ones? He's probably got those on. He's like, this sucks. <laughs> I mean, but if that was the case, wouldn't all video game sounds suck for him? Why, why is he saying this? May- one maybe we should check. Maybe we should check his reviews. Maybe he's been saying that video game sounds suck for quite a few years. You mm. never know. Weird. <laughs> But yeah. What is the most amazing audio I've heard in the game? I think. Well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go that far, but sure. I, I didn't. I didn't say no. Man, Sky was. I was trying to think what has really amazing sound. You know, a game had really amazing sound is Battlefield Three. Yeah, that's mm. what I was gonna go for as well. Like it's. Oh, the, yeah. It was one of the yeah, first games that really made me like sound. this sound is just like boom. Uh, yeah, one one that I played. One that I played. Sorry. Good. Good. I, good. I didn't. I didn't hear a single word you said. <laughs> um, 
one of the ones that I played most recently that where the sound really impressed me was Hyper Light Drifter. It's a pixely game, hack and slash with a lot of exploration. Uh, and the soundtrack kind of fits that bit style. Yeah. But, but when it gets loud, it's, 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 you feel emotions. Let's put it yeah, like dude. that. It's, it's just a great sound. Yeah. I'm a big audio guy. Games don't get enough credit when they do audio really well. Mm -hmm. oh, or perhaps they get the opposite on Reddit particularly. But who the fuck goes to Reddit for reviews? People who aren't <laughs> thinking straight. All right. Um, what about what about you, Adam? What you've been doing? What you've been doing this past week? Playing a whole lot of uh, Fortress Legends? Yeah, that too. A lot of Fortress Legends. I accidentally ran into this guy on Fortress Legends last night. I was he trying did. to like level up my character before the stream today. And he was level 25. <laughs> What is so, Fortress yeah, yeah. Legends? It's a mobile game we've been we've been streaming on the channel. Uh-huh. Uh from Bandai Namco. It's it's kind of like a dungeon crawler. You ever played Mighty Quest for Epic Loot? Yes. Kind of like that. That but but not as pay to win. Okay. Though you don't have to pay to win, but let me tell you what, you can pay to win. <laughs> yeah. You can. One of those, uh, huh? Yeah, one of those. It's, it's not good, that bad though. though. You don't have to spend money to play the game as opposed to other mobile games. You can we, legitimately just play the game. We've been talking um internally within TGN for a couple of years, I'd say now, of um the incoming rise of mobile gaming. We've been talking about you know, we gotta stop being old old geezers on the PC and you know, keep talking shit about mobile gaming like old man Portugal over here. But <laughs> Because this, you know, the platform is going to blow up in the next couple of years, and I think it's already happened. So, I'm actually enjoying Fortress Legends the way I would enjoy enjoy a, a regular PC or console game. Mm -hmm. getting was, there. They're getting there. They're getting. It's good to hear. It's good to hear. I was actually surprised because I've been away from mobile gaming for quite some time, apart from Pokemon Go. But uh, mm -hmm. it's like I was surprised that you could just play a game. It's multiplayer. And it's cross-platform between iOS and Android, and it was like super seamless. And I was like, I don't know where that mobile gaming had gotten to this point. Like super, yeah, yeah, yeah. super like, seamless, synchronous multiplayer, and it's just like no problem. Yeah, Blizzard already There's did no that There's no leg. There's no leg. It's actually got better matchmaking than like ninety percent of the PC games I've played. It's so like you want to get into a match with your friends. It takes like ten seconds tops. Yeah really easy um anyways so I, I already know what rui's been up to he's been he's been scheduling things for gamescom for the past week yeah thanks for that rui. <laughs> since the end of the last podcast rui's <laughs> just been real stressed and i mean stressed look at this guy globku drinking out of a liter bottle coca-cola on oh, the podcast <laughs> i i intentionally left the brand out of the webcam frame well i saw so you brought it you brought it into the podcast. I just so want to know what sponsored thing. What on earth is this dark potion that he is drinking out of? Oh a yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. It's bro. caffeine. No vegetables in there. It's caffeine Dude, drink, and I, sugar. Listen here, people think I'm talking did, shit about did soda. I, did I tell you I, I was tired yet? Because I. <laughs> That's where you go for your caffeine source, Coca Cola, dude. That sugar rush is gonna crash you so bad. It's okay. No, dude, he works I'm, out. I'm a, I'm he's a very fine. healthy. I'm a very healthy person. Yeah, he's extremely Every healthy. Every year, the doctor Drinking tells me that. Drinking a liter of Coca-Cola. <laughs> you should have yeah. seen how healthy he felt after he friggin' ate that real spicy kebab, dude. 
He felt real. I'm going there again. I'm going there again this year. <laughs> the dude's where, waiting for you. He's waiting for you right there. I mean, he hasn't gone out of business yet. He's probably waiting for me. So he's <laughs> like, hey, too spicy, yeah? That's that's on the way from the Gamescom to the hotel. So it is perfect. I'll, we're probably we're probably gonna eat uh, dinner oh, there every perfect. night, dude. Yeah. Every night it's gonna happen. <clears throat> You're gonna get wrecked. Yep. <laughs> they're German spicy, food, man. Dude. They're gonna so they're good. gonna have their way. Dude, with we're you. gonna we're gonna have to find one of the one of the places where they do curry versed decently because that's something that we didn't eat last year and we need to do it. Curry versed is like the the most typical thing that they do in Cologne. You know what that is? Sounds no. like some white man's Indian food. It's not. It's uh, well. It is kind of because it's, it's got curry. It's got. It's it's basically a like, it's basically a sausage sliced with curry on it, and then you put yeah, some fries on there. And that's that is a German man that went to an Indian restaurant. And he's like, hmm, this tastes kind of good. I like what, what spices are you using. And so he took the spices and then he put it on a freaking bratwurst, and he's like, here, it's a curry sausage. <laughs> Germany, it's ladies and gentlemen. A curry sausage. That's exactly what it sounds like. Uh, all oh, right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, <clears throat> ladies and gentlemen, what has happened since the last podcast? Well, there's a little game that came out called No Man's Sky. Yeah. Been hyped up for 15 people. Been hyped up it. for a long ass time. Um, I would say about, I don't know, year and a half, two years. People have been excited about this game. Uh, got much. the Space Sim crowd <clears throat> real excited. I think originally it was supposed to be a PS4 exclusive, but today it came out on PC, right? Is that right? Yeah. Right today or, originally it was supposed to be a PS4 exclusive, but like shortly after people started believing that it was a PS4 exclusive, they were like, no, no, it's coming to the PC as well. And then people yeah. were like, what? <laughs> what are you talking about? Also, I don't yeah. know about released on PC today. I think it comes out in 20 minutes, actually. I'll I'll bet you that that game runs a lot better with a solid state drive. I'm just going to put that out there right oh, now. You know, yeah, dude. One of my biggest disappointments from the PlayStation 4 is that they didn't put a solid state in there. I thought for sure when I saw some of that early Metal Gear Solid 5 footage that there was going to be an SSD in uh, in PS4, but... Maybe we'll hold out for the PS Neo. Okay, we'll talk about Neo a little bit later. In fact, I'm gonna make a note of that. SSD. Yeah, get on, get All on right. the Neo with the SSD. Um, okay, so No Man's Sky. I think, uh, well, three of us have been playing it on PS4, pretty, pretty heavily. Um, so I guess we should just start out by sharing our experiences, uh, because although it is a single-player game. Uh, nobody's experience is going to be the same because let's just say the entire community playing this game is playing within the same galaxy. It's one gigantic map. Um, and look at not, really, not everybody's playing, not everybody's uh, playing in the same galaxy, but there's okay. I can't there's say spoilers. No, okay, yeah, there's that, spoilers. That is, that is not entirely accurate. Let's just put it like, yeah. okay. Well, let's yeah. say that that's what has been. That's how it's been communicated from the developers. I mean, everyone's uh, playing the same universe, but there are different galaxies. All right, so everyone's yeah. playing on the same map. Let's say that much. <laughs> yeah. <Same map>. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That map just kind of so doesn't end. <laughs> the entire map is procedurally generated, kind of like the earliest form of this we saw is when you're traveling in Minecraft, mm -hmm. and you just keep walking. Mm -hmm. And shit just starts to spawn like these 
these uh, natural formations in the world, they're just randomly generated, the caves, the resources, everything. So that was kind of the first time a lot of people saw procedural generation in video games. No Man's Sky takes that to the, the nth degree. It's like planets are procedurally generated and solar systems and species and what am I missing? Like space stations and, you know, uh, outposts, yeah. plants. Yeah, the phyla and the fauna are all flora. procedurally generated. What did you so, call the flora? Fauna? The phylum? The phyla, fauna. <laughs> what is the animal flora. equivalent of fauna? Oh, uh, no, fauna. Fauna, fauna, fauna is, is the animal equivalent of okay. fauna. Flora and flora fauna. Is, yes. Is a plant. Oh, wow. All Hengist, you should be generated. familiar with the flora, man. You should be real familiar with flora. <laughs> I am. So I am. is the world like actually already generated or is it generating as people explore it? There is a mathematical equation that okay. always generates the same worlds. So in a way, if uh, people go to a place, the equation results will always be the same. So it's only generating when you get there, but it will always generate the same planets. Does that make sense? Okay, so there there are planets in place, like they have little blank circles, and they have the whole galaxy mapped out, filled with these blank circles. But they only fill up once a player gets there. Yes, got it. Makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So we've all had very different experiences. Me personally, I spawned on a planet that was actually quite hospitable, and the first species I encountered is the Gek, which are these lizard bird people with their little beaks and they're not very uh friendly um yeah because one rui of them farted on you. on a <laughs> rui spawned on a disaster and then he met some ais <laughs> yeah. shortly oh, the corvax yeah the corvax corvax uh. um so what have you got what have you guys thought so far let's hear from globku since he's already mm -hmm. done playing the game just don't spoil it for any of our viewers uh, yeah so. yeah sure 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 um what, what do I think so far? That's a loaded question. Yeah, I also started with the Gek, and they're by far my favorite race. Who can't... I mean, what's not to like about the space birds that look like frogs who fart when they're happy, <laughs> when they're mad as well? Like, they, they, they fart different scents depending on their emotions. They're the best. They're the best. <laughs> uh, I don't like the Corvax, though. The Corvax are always looking down on you, like you're not smart enough. Fuck those guys. I robbed them. I robbed him mm. back. Yeah, good I'll on you. Good on you. That later. Yeah. Fuck, fuck those guys. Really. Uh, I don't know where to start. Maybe the beginning. Um, my planet was radiation heavy. Uh, it had uh, a lot of a lot of uh, animals, a lot of plants, uh, a lot of materials. But for a first planet uh, to get radiation right away, it was kind of overwhelming because this game drops a lot of knowledge on you at starts. You know, there's all these systems that you have to learn. And at the same time, you're like looking at the uh, the bar, the radiation bar ticking down and you're like, I'm going to die yeah. and I need to fix the spaceship. And then the materials that I need to fix, fix the spaceship are the same materials that refill my hazard suit. So if I'm dying because of radiation, I need to use those. I spent like one hour in my first planet trying to fix that spaceship. It yeah. wasn't a bad hour. It, it, it was fun. But uh, yeah, the, the game right off the bat, seemed very harsh something that later on it's not it's it's really not that harsh it's really not yeah you got unlucky so those of you that haven't played yet the way i that, didn't I, the, the way Warrock's, that you Warrock's start, experience 
Warak got acid rain on his first planet. <laughs> so he always he always had to explore in caves. Like he couldn't go outside. <laughs> Warak got the urethra treatment, Hengist. That's what he yeah, got. Yeah, did. <laughs> so you guys that haven't played yet, the game starts you out with your ship is crashed on an alien world. And the world that you spawn into varies. It's literally random. It's just a roll of mm. what your planet looks like and what its properties are. And so I got the cakewalk planet. Like it was, it was not too uh, unlike Earth. It, it was just very, very fucking red, like neon, brilliant red, and started to hurt my eyes after a little while. Borak spawned on a on a piss planet where it just started pissing on him and melting the suit right away. <laughs> and uh, Globku spawned on a radioactive planet that was melting his suit. I spawned yeah. so on an ice planet, which was cold oh. as balls, dude. Every time I went out, like I, I just spawned and I'm looking at the temperature and said, oh, minus 75. And I'm like, well, that seems kind of cold. <laughs> and the suit's like, oh, by the way, you're freezing to death. And then you go inside a cave, which I'm like, well, the cave must be even colder. No, the cave's kind of warm. It's just really cold outside. Yeah. <laughs> that was kind of weird. You ever been in a cave underground? They're cold as hell. Yeah, they're supposed to be colder than whatever you're in, but yeah. I was barricading in some of the nearby lava tubes, and it's like it could be 100 degrees outside, but there's like ice down there. <laughs> We're talking so, about different uh, temperature measures, aren't we? Probably. No. Well, probably. The game yeah, is Celsius European, universally. Is the game? Yeah. I yeah, but so. Adam's not probably not talking about Celsius. So I didn't uh, even talk about temperature. <laughs> what I was, uh, what I was more getting at is, um, what does the game made you feel? You know what I'm saying? Oof. Like the gag. Has it has it has it been like a stressful experience, or uh, you like a really relaxing experience, euphoric? What what have you felt uh, in your experience playing the game? Throwing this to anyone? No, that's to you. That's You're to not you. done. Okay. Okay. Uh, I mean, all those emotions that you described, I think at some point I felt them. Uh, at the beginning, I was pretty stressed because the planet was harsh, but then you understand how the systems work and uh, that stress goes away and uh, becomes more of a um, trying to find the right path for you, trying to find not like the quickest path to the center, not not anything like that, but just how would you like to play this game? And you try to find your own vibe uh, in it. And I think No Man's Sky really works as a relaxing experience. If you want to go out there and you want to ex just explore planets, I think that's the kind of game that is. If you're the kind of player who is trying to get something done, the game's going to last you three hours and then it's going to start to feel repetitive because you do need to mine a lot, you need to upgrade all the time, you need to warp jump a lot. And uh, a lot of the activity activities that you can do in the game you stop doing them because they are not serving the purpose of your objective. So I think this game really shines as an exploration game. You should definitely not rush it. You should take your time and just look at the planets and spend however long, however long you want to stay on each planet. Don't force yourself to stay too long to explore every little nook and cranny. Look at a planet and say, okay, I'm good. I'm ready for yeah, the Yeah, there's literally day. millions of them. Yeah. Billions, so. trillions. You'd... Some would say 18 quintillion. Yeah. Well, there you go. <laughs> the, um, yeah, fun. whatever server this this galaxy or this universe is stored on, uh, it's pretty loaded. No, <laughs> okay. not, not really. It's big. 
I actually disagree because it's all mathematical formulas. Everything is generated. So like, even if you look at the size of the game, it's like five gigs. The game's not even yeah, that but big. It's, it's a lot of data, dude. No, it is a lot not of data. really. I mean, the players are sending the data once they discover. A plan. It is. It is some right. data, but basically, like Glavku said, there's like a formula. The only thing you're sending is the variables. You're like, okay, here are the variables for this person. He's in ship Y. He's in this thing, and then you put that in, and the game just generates this stuff mm -hmm. for you. That's how it works. So yeah. technically it's, speaking, I'm talking about server. I'm talking about the world, dude. Because I remember when the devs were talking about, okay, we have this internal galaxy. This is what we're testing. It's the same galaxy since the beginning. When we launch the game, we're starting a whole new one, and that's going to be the permanent one. That's the one that everyone plays on, and it's never going to change. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like it's going to keep expanding and expanding. Are we cross-platform with the mm. PC PS4? Uh, no. I so there's two so. galaxies. Okay. Yes. There's probably <laughs> there's, still one. There's well, more than two galaxies. Oh, well, we're back to the galaxy talk. Yeah. But uh, in terms of emotions, I th I'd say the the one I would highlight is just that sense of mystery curiosity and satisfying that that same curiosity because uh everything is new when you first jump in and that's when the game's at at its best i would say when you're learning every system you're learning what the game is capable of the game throws you a couple of surprises uh on like dynamic events on a few systems that you you really weren't expecting because uh, at some point you're like, okay, so this is probably my experience. I'll, I'll jump to another planet. I'll see what alien species are there. I'll get some upgrades and move on to the ne next system. But then stuff happens and you're like, okay, this, this kind of changes everything. Uh, and those moments were awesome. Is but there I would a also feature... say, yeah, go on. Is there a feature that you really wish was in the game besides the cooperative feature uh, that you were missing out on in your experience? something you wish you could do i think it would be very beneficial to the game if you could do something other than just naming the planet and everything in the planet if there was some kind of base building perhaps like you can make a system really matter for you uh above all other systems because the way it works right now i mean you can name stuff uh but if another player discovers something after you they can just rename that so nothing is nothing you do is permanent it's not like uh You'll you'll have hold of a creature or a planet forever, um, and uh, and with base building, I mean, I think I think you would kind of create your home planet. You would create your home system. It would be a, a bit more meaningful, perhaps. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I haven't even built a base yet, so I can't comment on that. But you can't. That there's no base building, but I there know. are bases like landing pads that. Yeah, yeah uh, I guess when so, I when so, I saw so some of the early the footage, it made me feel like the player could found a base. You know what I mean? Right. And that's something that I was really expecting. That's something now. that I believe it's been talked about. Uh, they've been discussing that that is something they would like to add to the game. At least mm. I think that's on my on my FAQ over here on my fancy book that they sent me. <laughs> Have you died yet, Globku? Have you died in the game? Uh, nine times. The you game. The game has a counter. Like every time oh. you die, it shows up generation nine. Okay, I guess I died nine times. I haven't died once. Oh, and I worry. kill everything I see. I've uh, one of these days you're walking into something that you shouldn't be fighting. Yep. <laughs> like, you're gonna no, die. Kind of. Kind of. All my, my all my all my deaths were okay. That was a stupid death, but everything else was through uh, uh, space pirates. That was a stupid death where I didn't want to recharge my shields and I bumped into uh, an asteroid and died. 
What's the death? <laughs> What's the death penalty in the game? You None. Uh, something I mean... breaks in your ship and you have to repair it, uh, and you have to do a corpse run. Basically, you have to go to the location where you died to pick up your uh, items again. Stuff breaks in your ship. I never had stuff uh, break you... in my ship yet. Usually, one of your technologies will, will break when you when you die. Hmm. But yeah, I was looking through the, the book that I have here that they sent me, and like it actually says here, something that they want to do for No Man's Sky specifically is making it multiplayer, and the possibility of construction going through land vehicles and everything else. So not just bases, but even vehicles. That'd be, That'd cool. be cool. I think that's something that they would add um, as DLC. Uh, they specifically said here that so long as the community is enough supportive of the game, they could probably do it for free as a free update. So, uh, how would it work as DLC though? Because you'd have to generate those uh, vehicles in the world. Do you just generate those for people who have DLC? How how would they do that? I, have, I don't know. <laughs> I, just, yeah. I have maybe no if they wanted to be dicks about it, like you discover a, a crashed rover, right? It's a land mm. vehicle. Or they give you like, like a key. If key you want to DLC. access this vehicle, you must install the DLC pack, yeah. you know, whatever. Technology, I mean, something, something. There, there are keys in the game, so they could sell you the key as DLC that lets you interact with all the stuff, I guess. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Uh, what's but, up uh, with those? What's up with those goddamn Atlas passes? Now that you've been through the game more than most of us, like I haven't found a single Atlas pass to go through those locked doors. What's the deal with that? Spoilers! Mm -hmm. Wow, mm -hmm. <laughs> just can't get away from it. Uh, but basically, don't worry. As you progress towards the center of the galaxy, it is a scripted event. You cannot miss it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, if I had to to draw a line graph, I'd say I really enjoy this game, and my enjoyment of it rose for the, like the first three hours. But then it started to slowly decline over time. Slowly decline to the point Does where... Does it start I... to feel like a grind? Is that the issue? Oh, that always depends on what you want to do, right? It feels like um, a grind from the start. The game is grindy, dude. Just... Yeah, but, but, but it's it, pretty grindy. It, it didn't bother me at first. Uh, but as I was kind of seeing everything the game had to offer, I started to feel that, yes, my activities were very repetitive. Because there are different planets. They look different. They're awesome to explore if you're not if you don't have a goal in mind. But if you do have a goal, the activities you do on each planet are always the same. You can mine for resources, and that depends on the resources the planet has. You can visit those outposts and the monoliths. Every planet has those, and they're the same on every on every single planet. Um, they just vary. Collectibles, basically. Um, so you do that for ship upgrades, for suit upgrades, uh, and for learning the language. Uh, which the lore was one of my favorite things about this game. And uh, and you find the, the animals. If you find all the animals, the game gives you a huge bonus in units. Though if you want units, really just go to a space station and start trading. I think Hengus did that. In the last <laughs> or like that's that's the method. That's the method. I'll I'll talk about it. But yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, He's ashamed so yeah, of I, it. <laughs> I, I start I started to feel the repetitiveness of it. But at the beginning, there were surprises. There was there were amazing moments that I experienced. It's just over time, start to feel that grind. And also the game, the game keeps crashing on me. It is so frustrating. Um, the way that this game saves your progress is as soon as you leave the ship, your progress is saved. 
So what I was doing uh, at the end there, I was basically warp jumping over and over. So let's say I fill up my hyperdrive, I start warp jumping, the game crashes during a warp jump, which it happened multiple times. I think warp jumping has a higher chance of crashing the game on PlayStation 4. I don't know why. Uh, it crashes, you load it back up, you lost like 30 minutes of progress because you haven't landed in a while. And that is so frustrating. Uh, I found a few game-breaking bugs, and the ending is probably one of the most disappointing things I've ever experienced. Mm. Like, people are looking for this payoff for this epic quest that they embarked on. It, it's not there. There, I did not like the payoff. In fact, I felt like uh, the journey was a waste of time based on that ending. Uh, wow. Obviously, it wasn't. <laughs> Obviously, it wasn't, you know, but it's if I was working towards degree, that, if yeah, I was yeah. working towards th that objective, I, I no, it, it wasn't worth it. There's basically no payoff. Um, and I, I did not enjoy it. So it, it's a bummer that my last memories of this game are crashing and and the disappointing ending. But don't take this to mean that I don't think the game is worth playing. I don't think the game is worth your money. On the contrary. Like, yeah, let's hear it. Do you think it's worth your $60, $60 price tag based on your I think, experience? I think when Sean Maurice said this game is not for everyone, I kind of looked at that and said, well, you can say that about any game, really. But that is especially the case with this game. I could uh, see that. Yeah. Look, look for, if you're looking for an explore, exploration, relaxing activity, uh, that, that kind of game, No Man's Sky delivers. But... The space combat isn't that great. The trading is a grind. So it's not the game where you can become anything in space. It is not that game. It is a game about uh, exploration. And and as an exploration game, it works and it's really good. Everything yeah. else, not really. So depends yeah. on what you value. Uh, for me, when I first saw some of this footage, I thought this game was going to be an epic fail. Like I had a lot of respect for the devs. Because what they were doing was very ambitious. Mm -hmm. I think to this day, the game remains like the most ambitious title I've seen on uh, this latest generation of consoles and ranks very high overall in terms of ambitious titles. What they tried to do here or what they have done is very impressive. And the game has done things, a lot of things that are new, um, procedurally generating a solar system even in and of itself is something entirely new. Uh, games like Space Engineers have tried to do something along these lines, but really as smooth as it is, um, just traveling from planet to planet and making it feel like that's actual light years away and distance that you have to close. Though I don't think really planets are light years away, but um, it feels very, very large, the scale of this game. You feel like you're actually in a real universe. Mm -hmm. um, in outer space and that this is the first game that's actually achieved that for me so it's it's a very remarkable experience for the first time to feel like you're just one life form in an endless universe uh, in fact i wish i could have that experience in reality someday uh, being trapped here on earth is a is a bit of a different experience no man's <laughs> sky is a great form of escape for some of us that uh, fantasize about space exploration and want to do more than just watch Star Trek. No Man's Sky hits that spot, in my opinion, better than any movie or series I've ever watched. Oh, yeah. Um, that being said, the game is not a, it, it is not a fail at all. They no. achieved something no. very special 
And it's not what it could have been, but it could develop into that. And this studio could make a future title that does have that multiplayer functionality that a lot of people want. But certainly if you're looking to meet up with friends in this game, it is it is not the game for you. Um, the biggest negative thing, the first negative thing that I found is that although this game can be very relaxing and it can really ex be exciting from an exploration point of view, mm -hmm. it is a very lonely experience. Almost, it's got underlying tones of depression. Like I could feel the game developer's strife uh. when I play this game and that perhaps part of this game is trying to convey a message that it's a very lonely universe. Right. And everything you, know? you do is so meaningless because it's so tiny. Yeah. Like we've yet to discover uh, any form of extraterrestrial life, really. Hmm. Uh, but it's only depressive when uh, you're not talking to Gek. Because when you're talking to Gek, it's the best day of your life. <laughs> the Gek are the best. I love those guys. But what this game does is it, it shows you that the universe is full of life. But it's still very lonely somehow. And I don't know that, you know, that's that's the philosophical uh, idea that the studio has about the universe, or that's what they wanted to convey, but that's what happens, at least in my experience. So mm. it is not what I would consider an exciting game all around. It is a very relaxed, slow-paced travel game um, that is great for just chilling out by yourself. You know, this is a game that I would play when I don't want to have anyone else talking to me or interacting with me at all. It's lonely time. It's alone time. Um, so, yeah, yeah. As far as features I wish that it had, I really want a capital ship. Like, I want a ship that you dock your exploring vessel into, right? And that's what you use to uh, fly between systems. It's a bigger ship. And you could also have, you know... Uh, a land vehicle that you poured in there, just something bigger than these little like single person vessels, hmm. which are all you have as options in the game right now, just one man ships. So hmm. I'd definitely like to see it expand or see them create a sequel to this game. Um, but for what it is, it's definitely worth my 60 bucks. I enjoyed quite a bit. You want to share your experience, Rui? Adam hasn't played yet, so he's kind of just tagging along. Yeah, I'm here. just listening. So. <laughs> so I found it interesting because I'm a bit of a completionist when it comes to games. So I was like, in my planet, first I fix my ship, right? I fix the good ship luck. and I'm like, oh, dude, I can, I can fly now. This is good. So I started flying around I'm like, oh, there's an interest point there and another one. And I'm like, oh, dude, I'm totally going to explore the crap out of this planet. Then I realize, no, I'm not. It's impossible. Like just exploring this this whole planet. If you really want to find every single point of interest on this one planet, it's just not going to happen because there's and too it many. Matter. And and it's and it yeah. Doesn't matter. I mean, it, it matters they're, they're for one same, thing. They're the same. They're the same on all the planets. Yeah. So what you I, don't need to do that. What I mean is, it matters for one thing, which is like if you want to know the language of the race that you're interacting with on your first couple of systems. Oh yeah. Yeah, if oh, you yeah. want to grind that out, then sure, you can go out and find as many monoliths as you possibly can, start learning the language of that specific race, because it kind of helps you understand what they're talking about. Um, yeah, and also that, that helps you with uh, upgrades, because uh, sometimes they present challenges to you, and yeah. you have a multiple choice answer, and if you know what they're saying, you, you will most likely pick the right answer. Exactly. Yeah. So. 
that's that kind of stuff I thought was really cool, you know, learning the language and all that stuff. But I also realized that, you know, staying on the same planet for too long is essentially pointless unless you really enjoy that planet for whatever reason. And so it's lonely as fuck. Yeah, it's it's real lonely to stay on the same planet forever. So I kind of like started moving around, started doing the quest and all that stuff to get the the warp drive, jump to another system. I instantly jumped to another system as soon as I could. And then it started teaching me about how, oh, you got to do this um, stuff for the warp drive and whatnot. And that's when I started getting real grindy with it. Because like the second mm -hmm. they told me, this is what you need to fuel your warp drive. And I was like, oh, yeah. So I found a planet with zinc. With car I mean, all planets have carbon, but basically you needed zinc and you needed something else. I don't remember what it was, but I found a planet that had all that, like, plenty of it. Plutonium, iridium, carbon. Plutonium is, like, thamium. everywhere. Yeah, it was... Thamium, you can get it out of space. So whatever. Yeah. I, I found a planet that had the other stuff, basically. And I was just, like, on that planet, constantly getting everything. And I fueled up my warp drive all the way, and then I realized, what if I want to buy a new ship? The fuel doesn't go with me because <laughs> I already put it in the warp drive. <laughs> and I was like, no. <laughs> then I'm like, okay, so I want to buy a new ship. That kind of became my goal because you're constantly putting new goals onto yourself like we were talking about. And I'm like, I want a new ship. But my ship already has a fully beefed up warp drive. So I'm going to jump five systems. So I just jumped mm -hmm. five systems toward, towards the center of the galaxy. And then I started doing yep. the, the spaceship trading to, to try and get a, a new ship which i eventually got but ultimately i liked the entire experience so far from the point that you know the the encounters that you get with uh, people uh throughout those planets and even on the space stations where you have to kind of interpret what they're telling you and they're giving you a multiple choice option it kind of reminded me of um, those books that were kind of like adventure books that you had where you could like oh you can roll these die and then if you get this number go to this page or something like that you guys ever read those? That sounds like some old man Portugal stuff. It is. These are some really old books that you're you talking were... about the the books that you make choices and you turn to page yeah. based yeah, choice. Exactly. The old Arl Stein books. books did that. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah. yeah so I never, I never that's that's essentially what that kind of reminded me of in a really good way. I was like, this this is cool because like depending on how you answer, you either get the good stuff or you don't get the good stuff. Like I was lobotomized midway through my adventure. There was just like this Corvax. He had a needle, and and the only words I could make out is like. Traveler, experiment, and there was a needle aiming at my head. <laughs> uh, and I was just like, yeah, sure, it's fine. And he just like jabs the needle through me and then he gives me technology. Yeah. <laughs> always like, do that. Always do that. Because worst case scenario, you're going to lose a, a little bit of health, which you're going to recover uh, next. Yeah. And best case scenario, you're going to lose technology. some brain cells too. No big deal. <laughs> just a few. It's fine. Just a few. It's not the end of the world. But. <laughs> Ultimately, it's, it's like we're discussing, like, this game is definitely not going to be for everyone. And I've been reading a lot um, because since on my feed, I receive a lot of uh, opinions from several influencers from the industry. So I've been seeing a lot of people just saying this game is garbage because of this and that and the other. And I'm just like, I don't, I don't think you're right. I mean, I think you're entitled to say whatever you want because there's even been people being attacked online because of giving you know negative reviews and stuff and the community is just like going after them and i was wow. like dude people can say whatever they want they're it's Wait, their that's opinion. the space sim people community are getting these guys mad. are rabid people <laughs> are getting mad on the internet on the internet dude serious the space business. sim community dude they are serious about their game yeah but they are not gonna hear anything to the contrary but ultimately what uh what i found is that 
like we've said, this game is not for everyone. It's like, if you're the kind of person you want to beeline an objective, you want to finish a game, which is kind of what Glopku's been doing, his experience, I feel, has probably been a little bit um, not as great as it could have been because he wanted to get to the center of the galaxy. Whereas me, I'm not even trying to get to the center of the galaxy. I'm like, okay, there's something happening on this system. I'm going over there. I'm going to see what the hell is happening. And that's kind of the way that you play this game. I've never really... I never really thought about the whole thing. Oh, yeah, you got to beeline to the core of the galaxy. It's like, no, it's about your experience. This game is generating your own adventure, and you're going to do it whatever way you want. Like, one of the things that happened to me recently in this game is I found a crashed ship, which was slightly better than my own, right? I mean, it wasn't even that amazing. Like, I could have just left it there, but I was like, dude, this is amazing. I'm going to grab this ship, and I'm going to repair it, and I'm going to fix it, and it's going to be awesome. So... For a while, I was flying around a ship that was completely broken, had no deflector shields, no warp drive, but I had the plutonium to fuel it, so I was just like driving it around until I could find the materials to repair it. And finding those kinds of objectives, if you're into that stuff, that is what this game's about. Actually exploring in whatever direction the game takes you, as opposed to exploring, no, I gotta get to the center of the galaxy. I'm, I'm obsessed with it. I need to get to the center of the galaxy. I need to see what happens. It's like- Rui's really got that twitch there, eye. There are, there are a couple crying. of ways to get to the center of the galaxy or to quote unquote, finish the game. Uh, one of them is to simply follow the main quests. I, I believe uh, you, Hangus, rejected the Atlas guidance. Yep, at the beginning. he's a bitch. Uh, Rui? Did you? Oh, I accepted it. Okay. Just because so that, just because it would give you, us the option to see both things, you know, when Hengist does whatever yeah, he ends up doing and, you know. Also, you can accept the guidance and completely ignore it. So it's not like uh, it's going to force you down a path. Um, so basically, if you just follow the guidance of the Atlas, I'd say 15 hours and you're done with the game. It's it's not that, that, that long. Uh, but there are a couple of ways of finishing the game. And obviously, another one of those ways is jumping towards the center of the galaxy. Let me tell you, you are not ready for how long this journey is. The human mind cannot comprehend the distance that, that it will need to, to travel. Luckily, there are shortcuts, which are spoilers. So yeah, uh, stuff happens. Black it's holes cool and either shit. Way, but yeah, black holes and shit. Uh, but it's still a very long journey. I would say if you really want to if you really want to finish your game accept the atlas guidance follow him around uh don't sell your atlas stones and that's all i'm going to say okay so i'm going to talk about how i broke the game mm -hmm. and then i want to move on to more specific subjects about no man's sky since we already shared our experiences okay so Rui likes to grind in this game, okay? He'll deny it, but I hear him on Discord and he's doing it all the time. <laughs> he won't stop talking about his uh, his mining drill and how awesome it is and how much he loves his mining drill. Uh, dude, it's because you were constantly telling me the other day on the stream, you're like, dude, this takes so long. And I'm like, dude, I pop, I pop two shots on anything and it breaks down because my mining drill is When's drill's the last time beast? you fired one of those giant emerald dicks that are like skyscrapers, the huge emerald It was yesterday pillars. and it was really fast. It took like less than 10 10 seconds you, you need to find the upgrades for that hangest <laughs> but uh yeah it, it can be really fast the mining is weirdly satisfying in that game it okay. is like, anyways listen listen, so listen. I, got this... I gotta tell you something though gotta tell super important God damn like, it my mining drill <laughs> is now a rail gun it's yeah, got the rail really, gun really upgrade, you're real excited about your mining drill, <laughs> yeah. really. I get it. okay <laughs> so the mining for me is boring it takes too long 
um, I don't like it. So what I did is, well, let me just start by saying, I really like it when games have their own little economy. Like uh, one of the games that got me super excited about econ economics was uh, SimCity. And, you know, I, was, I like to do the auction house and WoW, and, you know, player-run economies are a lot of fun for me. Unfortunately, this game does not have a player-run economy. I was really hoping it would. So the, the things that people are buying and selling affect the market price or the galactic price for that resource, and that's all influenced by player activity. That is not the case. The, um, the supply and demand trends for the No Man's Sky economy are all hard-coded into the game, and I'm not sure that they ever even change. <laughs> so what I did is I went to the space station, and I spent about 10, seconds, or, uh, 10 minutes studying what the best uh, way to profit would be. And it didn't take me long to discover that um, some of the NPCs that come in and out of the space station are the, the prices that they're willing to pay for certain resources fluctuate wildly. So I identified pretty much the most valuable resource I could find, which is a dynamic resonator, which I believe is a, uh, a part that you need to build a hyperdrive. Yes. And I would buy it more or less at market price, as many as possible. Fill up my entire inventory and wait for this one idiot to fly into the space station and pay me 100% markup. So each one of these things has, I don't know, in the, in the neighborhood of 30,000 unit value. And after I sell it to the, the village idiot, uh, I, I make 100% profit on it. So I spent maybe two and a half, three hours doing this. Four hours. And I earned... Don't lie. It wasn't four hours. It was. That's not how much I... No, it wasn't. I didn't need to spend that much to get the ship that I wanted. I was just waiting for the perfect ship. Um, so anyways, I spent about, let's say, three hours. And I made over five million units, which is a lot. Um, I used that money to buy an endgame ship, or at least a, the best ship in that solar system, which had about 30 slots and like shitload of weapons and a you know, really well-developed ship. Mm -hmm. And then I had two mil to spare, which I can spend to buy any resource I want in the trade station. So I don't have to farm and I can just build whatever yeah. I want. And it's all done basically through, uh, what do they call that? eBay term, drop shipping. So it's just like buying and reselling in the space station to NPCs that are hard coded. There's no variation. So the economy in the game is really, really bad. And it doesn't vary it's just extremely predictable and you can just game it and break the game hardcore. That's what I did. I broke this shit out of the game. Yeah, you played the, the Martians game, basically. You became a space trader, which I don't think is a, a great experience in that game. Well, it, it didn't even take any effort, though. Like, it wasn't right. difficult. No, no, it isn't. And, like the, the, and the, the, the pilots coming in and out of that space station are always the same. It's like they're on a random rotation. Sometimes the same pilot will come in twice like there will be two of the two same instances ships with the same person. Yeah. I think I've yeah. had up to four. Yeah. Wow. The same ship in the same station. Uh, so yeah, you just stand on a space station and you wait and you buy stuff low and you sell it high. And um, so people might be thinking like, oh, that's because Hengist was in a fucked up system. He found a glitch somewhere. It's like, no, because no, I was doing no. it at the Every exact same station. time on a completely different location. I was yeah, doing the exact same thing. I only bad. got I only got to like a million and a half because I wasn't as patient. I was like, no, dude, I just want to buy a ship and leave. Five million. I bought a massive ship. And I didn't I didn't even explore. So I'm gonna I'm gonna use that ship to travel to the center of the galaxy. Like I'm done exploring basically. I'm just gonna make my way to the center and be done with it. 
<laughs> so I would say um, you are genuine, not prepared. <laughs> genuine enjoyment. Life. I had at least four hours of like, this game is really amazing to explore. And then I got tired of farming. And then I just went and I broke the shit out of the game at the space <laughs> station. And then I, okay. I'm going to go from there. A couple of things you have to see in the game. Have you seen a Natalus interface? No. Have you seen a space anomaly? Mm -mm. Okay. Those two things, at least, you should see them before you put the game down. Oh, I'm going to play for quite a bit I think I'm actually, I think I'm actually like a system away from an Atlas interface. It was like this thing showed up. It had like a blue waypoint. And it was telling me, yeah. you should go here. And I yeah. was like, okay. That's because you accepted the, the Atlas guidance. Yeah, I accepted it, it, Atlas it, guidance. It marked it, it marked it on your universe. Yeah. I don't need that guidance. Okay, so... <laughs> Uh, who wrote this point? Hype versus reality. So do you guys feel like it has lived up to the hype? Nope. I think it was impossible to was live up to the high. hype. No. Yeah. I mean, I, I do, I I do want to mention a couple of things here, which is, let's face it, uh, Sean Murray and the, the Hello Games team in general, as well as Sony themselves as they were hyping up the game, they purposefully made themselves extremely ambiguous when going into specifics. Am I right? Don't you guys feel that's yes. what happened? Because like, yeah. you would you would ask him, so is this game multiplayer? And he's like, there's some things kinda. There. <laughs> <laughs> like, his reply was like, kinda. And then is like, can you meet other players? Yes, but it's never gonna happen. <laughs> so it's like they were purposefully ambiguous, which generated all of this hype. And I understand it's like in a way, it's a marketing strategy because more people bought the yeah. game that way. And of I don't think the dev meant to do that though. Yeah. I really don't. No, he he didn't because like I was in the same room with that dev and you see that the way that he you know, the way that he talks and whatnot, like he's genuinely a super shy guy. He's like super shy. He's Not just only like, that, but he's like, he's philosophical about it. So they created yeah. this this <laughs> world, this universe, right? And anything can happen in this space because computers generate it, right? So you can't like predict what's going to happen. It's random. So for him to give ambiguous answers like that, I feel is appropriate because he really doesn't know what can happen in this world. No one right. does. But on the game, but on the day of release. He straight up said on Twitter, this is not a multiplayer game. Do not buy this, expecting that stuff. And like, I think they could be could have been a bit more upfront with that stuff mm. ahead of release. And that they were intentionally vague about it. I could be. There was this this one time where I heard him say it might have been on a presentation on E3 that I was in, or it might have been on mm. a video that I watched. I'm not sure where it was, but I distinctly remember Sean Murray saying, Look, if you think that this is a game that you're going to be playing with your friends like an MMO or like a GTA or something like that. This is not that game. He specifically said this. So it's mm -hmm. like, I was never under the impression that you would be able to meet other players. I've always thought that most people were aware you're not going to be meeting other players. It's not going to happen. Like there was um, a reason, like I wanted to plot a course to go where Hengist had been just for the purpose of the journey, you know? I never had yeah. in my um, in my imagination that we we're gonna actually meet. It's just not gonna happen. We spent about an hour trying to find a system that is near the <laughs> band that I was in, and <laughs> not I was gonna like, happen. Dude, you are wasting your time. It's just You're not just like happen. searching the galaxy. I'm like, okay, 
Yeah. Well, all right. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so we feel like it hasn't lived up to the hype. Me personally, I wasn't hyped for this game because I thought it was going to be a failure. I thought it was going to be epic fail. Like just walk around on a planet. There's no combat. Just like all procedural generation, basically just a spectacle for you to look at and explore. Right. But it turned out to be a lot more than that. And so for me, it did live up to my hype, but that's because right. I don't buy into the mainstream uh, expectations for an upcoming game, especially when I know better. Mm-hmm. So as far as what the gaming community was expecting, I would say no, but I would say the overwhelming majority of their expectations are totally unrealistic. For me personally, it exceeded my expectations. Mm-hmm. So for that, I give it a lot of credit. Yes, yeah, if we're going definitely. if we're going off of personal expectations, then yeah, pretty much lived up to exactly what I thought it was going to be, and maybe even a little bit more. Cool. I would, so I, I want to agree. Yeah. Before we move on to more topics, I want to talk about the VR for No Man's Sky. Um, now obviously the PlayStation Four is going to have a serious problem with VR for this game because it runs well nowhere near sixty FPS, and it needs um, ninety so- FPS to be viable in VR. They could downscale it, but I think even with that and some optimization patches, they're going to have a damn hard time getting it up. Getting it up, as she would say, to 90 (laughs) FPS. Um, But that doesn't rule out the possibility of VR uh, being usable on PC. Though I think you're going to need like a seriously powerful machine to run this game at 90 FPS. I think Sony would step in on that and say, look, guys, no, you can't put this VR thing exclusively out on PC. Well, if it doesn't work on PlayStation 4, it's not going to work anywhere. That could be. But what if the Neo is capable of running this game? But the Neo cannot have uh, exclusive features for games. Like features that work on the Neo have to work on uh, the, the normal version as well. Even if they run... At a worse frame rate, if and if they have a worse uh, resolution, they have to exist on both systems. So I think that there's um, there's something that we're taking we're taking for granted. Like, okay, so the frame rate at which this is running is going to be the same way frame rate at which it's going to run on the PlayStation VR, and I don't think that's the case because the PlayStation VR is powered by a unit which is separate from the PlayStation Four. There is a different box where this thing mm-hmm. draws its power from. So mm. I believe that that box might just be able to, I don't know, combine the power of the PS4 plus whatever that thing does. It, it has to do that because the PS4 is never going to be running the games that I've personally seen on VR at 90 FPS. It's just not going to happen. So you need that additional box. And whatever that box does, it gets stuff up to 90 FPS. So I think it's mm-hmm. possible that they do it. Whether or not they're going to do it, that part I don't know. Well, they've got to do it because this game is like designed for VR. Like what, whether or not it's this year or, or three years from now, there has to be somebody working on this shit. And if they don't release an official version, you better believe that somebody's going to mod this game on PC and get it running. You know what I'm saying? Like the game is the primary f- per- function of this game is exploration and viewing. Yep. And to feel like you're on an alien world. I just feel like it's too big an opportunity to pass up. I completely agree. The game is perfect for VR. They need to work on this shit. Like the the whole space pit, uh, the spaceship cockpit, that's designed for VR. Straight up. Like the whole, the way that the pilot looks out the window, you know, 
it's almost as if it was built from the ground up to be a VR title. Hmm. So if it if it's not on PS4, I think there's definitely a possibility it could be on the Neo or on PC. Um, and I would be, I think that Sony would be seriously messed up in the head to try to impede the um, the development of a VR version of the game, try to stop it from happening, because that's just a disservice to the entire gaming community and the technology that we use. I agree. That would be cool. Be okay, cool. So are you? I mean, yeah, it'd be cool. Uh, I I don't I see a lot of uh, issues for that to happen. It's it don't don't forget that this is a very small team we're talking about. They're still planning on updating the game. They can only spread themselves so so much. And you know, yeah. So fingers yeah. crossed for VR in uh, sure. No Man's Sky in the not too distant future. Yeah, buddy. Are you so closing good, the No Man's Sky topic? Yeah, because I would segment. like to ask average adam before we close this mm -hmm. okay based on what you heard do you want to play this game are you gonna buy it what do you think honestly probably not mm -hmm. not at this at this point because everything I've, I've been hearing about it it just it there's no clear goal like i'm a completionist collector and this isn't a game where you could be that oh yeah it dude. really isn't yeah, forget about that. <laughs> it really isn't. So. Well, it could be, but you'll just spend the rest of your life playing. Yeah, I mean, no, I, I played a lot of Ark, but... You the, will spend the, whole, the rest uh... of your life, and then your children will spend the rest of their life, and then your children's <laughs> children will spend yeah. the rest of their life, and then the servers will be down. And they'll all be chasing that completionist dream, and, and you will all never, die before it's You will never... Well, you guys are talking about the grind, the, the grind that's in the game. Yes. I don't mind games that are a grind. I played a lot of Ark because the grind eventually led to you know, me getting more powerful dinosaurs, me getting bigger bases. But the grind in this game, just I don't see the rewards as being big enough to me to justify the, the time and the grind that I'd have. Well, oh, there is an objective in this game, though, versus I know, Arc. I know. Here's the... And I think that, that kind of bugs me a little bit. Upgrading your weapons, upgrading your ship, it feels significant. So hmm. to your point, I would say, like, you're working towards something, definitely. It's uh, it's one it, of those it, things it, where it's like if you'd rather have a game, just tell you, look, here are your clear objectives, go do this. This is not that game. It's just not that game at all. This this is the kind of game where where you're like you're in a planet and you're thinking, okay, do I want to invest some time in learning the language of the Corvax, or do I want to invest some time in locating some new technology for my multi tool, or do I want to invest some time in buying a new ship? And it's like, and there's, like I said this, you could have like a thousand more ores added to that, you know? Do I want to be a trader? Do I want to fight space pirates? Do I, you know, all of this stuff. And you can do all of these things, but you have to decide for yourself which of the things do you really want to do. And you have to set goals for yourself and not just follow the game. I think anyone who's beelining for the center of the galaxy are not going to have a good time. Um, if they do the Atlas path, they might. It doesn't get too repetitive before they reach the end uh, by doing that. So, so, yeah, I disagree there. So I'm um, probably not going to try it out. Yeah. And not there are boxes. Time. There are boxes to tick if you're a completionist. There's the milestones. That's pretty cool to complete. Uh, it's like walk a, a certain amount of time, destroy X amount of spaceships. And the more you do it, the more you rank up in your milestones. The more you do it, the less control of your character you have. 
because they keep taking away the goddamn camera control or the the reticle and <laughs> oh, the ability yeah, to dude. do anything for about 10 seconds every whenever, time you whenever oh, you get geez, the milestone you can't you yeah. can't see you can't like so annoying it dude. is That's, it's so bad. i've reached oh, milestones listen i've reached milestones and i was getting shot at by single drones <laughs> yeah, and i was trying dude, to get into yeah, my yeah. ship and the game's just like no dude <laughs> appreciate celebrate your milestone and, and the drones are just like pew 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 <laughs> Yeah, dude. I liked it. It feels <laughs> I feel rewarded when that shows up. And it's actually something very meaningful. But that's spoilers. We're uh, seeing a lot of people yeah. uh, talking in the chat about how the game is really poorly optimized for uh for PC. And I would mm -hmm. say to those people saying that it gets 20 FPS on 980 SLIs, um like we've been saying, it's a small studio and you should know this already if you're a PC gamer. But the power of your PC, the computing power of your PC, doesn't necessarily translate into into optimization. Mm -hmm. You need to create a simple build that the game will run on. And in order to do that, you'd be best to mirror the architecture of the PS4 as closely as possible, at least until they start optimizing for SLI and you know the new cards. But um, I, I would expect the game to run significantly worse on PC for a long time until they optimize it, which probably take like a month. Mm. Yep. But yeah, 20 FPS on, on 980 SLI, that is tragic. <laughs> uh, I'm sure you'll get better FPS. PC Master Race, though. <laughs> if you run off of one card, I'm sure Come you'll on. get better FPS. Dude, I, just li I just like taking jabs every now and then. Guns <laughs> <laughs> did not need to be fired. <laughs> um okay so that's a pretty good segue into our next topic uh the the playstation neo mm. so we talked about this in a, in a past podcast recently but uh there's now a release date or at least a speculated announcement date yeah september 7th september um, 7th we'll see the playstation meeting it's the name of the event and they'll officially unveil the, the neo basically yeah, so that's actually pretty soon. It's less than a month away that we're going to most likely have some really, well, basically all the information that we want on the Neo. If the console is built and they have a uh, prototype that they're going to show off, then we'll get some hardware specs. We'll see what it looks like, if it looks any different. Um, this is probably the reason that Sony is not going to be present at Gamescom this year because they want to have their own separate announcement for this to make sure that it doesn't get um, overshadowed by everything else that's happening at Gamescom. <laughs> so Rui's pretty upset about that. Damn, damn right I am. <laughs> but uh, it is something to look forward to. We, we talked about, um, what is it, the ninth generation of consoles in the last podcast. Uh, this is not like the true successor to PS4, but it is gonna have more hardware capabilities than PS4. One of the things, or a couple of things that I'm really curious about is if um, it's going to be better optimized or perhaps bundled with the PlayStation VR? What do you guys think? Are they going to are they going to try to bundle this with uh, with the VR unit? Be another mistake uh, like the Connect being bundled to the the Xbox. Well, it, as optional, as optional. If it's not optional, if it is optional, I'd say it's okay. But if it's not optional, it's forced. That's not good. That's I think. Be I think that uh, the the VR bundle is going to happen for both versions of the console, but I think ultimately the the Neo and the PS4 are going to have very similar performance when it comes to VR because, like I said, it's a separate box. It's independent of what console you have. 
So I don't I don't think that's there's gonna. But be don't a you think a big there. reason that they're relaunching the PS4, so to speak, is uh, is because they want to have this new fresh push for VR. Nope. Like okay, no. Our VR is coming out in October. We just built this new console that you can buy now, um, if you want to try out VR. We're even gonna bundle it for you. I feel like a big part of this is because they want to get their marketing straight and do like a real push for VR in this generation uh, and be the first movers on it. I can. And I think, I think if they pull that off well, then um, PSVR will be far more successful than it would otherwise be without a new launch. Because think of all the people who don't own a PS4. I know not many of them. I'm just kidding. But um, <laughs> think of think of all the people who you know are considering buying a PS4. Uh, but have been holding off or, you know, those Xbox one players that don't have a VR option. Um, this is something that they can, that they can look at and, and try it out for the first time. I don't think that's the reason because, um, what happens is you remember how you had the PlayStation three and then you had, the, you had the fat version, then you had the PlayStation three slim and later down the line, yeah. you had the extra slim, which was even smaller. Um, basically that's the same thing that they're doing with the Neo. However, the problem was the PlayStation three had proprietary hardware, right? The cell processor, all this stuff. So they didn't really evolve the technology. They just kind of like, okay, can we put this in a smaller box? Yes, let's do it. Uh, whereas now the PlayStation four has a lot of, um, parts that are akin to computers, basically to regular PCs. So those parts, as we know, devalue greatly over time. So basically building a PlayStation now with the same hardware that you had on the PlayStation 4, you would get, you know, for starters, you probably can't even find that hardware anymore because they're moved on to better chips. So to them, it's just more cost effective to upgrade the, the, the friggin' hardware on the, the device and they can still do it with the same price because the hardware is cheaper now. So I think that's basically what the Neo is all about and why it's more powerful and probably the same thing for the Xbox One S, whatever. Because both consoles have, value, have the x86 architecture, which is very similar to PCs, so it doesn't make that much of a difference. They could just get the cheaper parts, build a new device, and just even make it better. That's yeah. kind of how I personally see it. How about an SSD, dude? I will pay a premium price can, for SSD and a PlayStation. There's, there's not. It's, the PlayStation doesn't stop you from putting an SSD drive on it. You can do you it know, right I, now. To I your know that, but I haven't tried yet because I think it's gonna like break the shit. No, it won't. It won't break. It doesn't break. It just doesn't also, give you anything of like doesn't give you any benefits. It, it runs uh, like a regular hard drive. It, it does. I mean, slightly uh, smaller loading screens, but nothing significant. Nothing you want to go out of it's, your way to. to it's update. not like PC World of Warcraft HDD and World of Warcraft SSD. Okay, it's right, not. Yeah, it's not, not that level. <laughs> right, because a game like No Man's Sky, like when you're loading a new planet, for example, going through the atmosphere, all that data is theoretically stored on the on the GDDR5, the the VRAM. Yep. Right. It doesn't actually create any partitions on the um, SSD for gameplay reasons. It would only be limited to like media access and load times. But considering the amount of time it takes me to launch a game like Paragon off my damn hard drive, I'm not a hard drive. I'm not a digital games kind of guy. I like my discs, uh. but discs are in theory even slower. Um, so when I launch Paragon, it takes me like 10 seconds. I'm like, dude, speed this shit up. Maybe. Uh, 
maybe an SSD would solve that problem, but it is uh, expensive hardware. It would 10 be... seconds. I, I can't wait for 10 seconds. My, That's my a time long is too time, valuable. Dude. Man, I have to wait for 10 seconds every time I launch Paragon. Listen, listen. First world problems you right launch, here, man. You launch Paragon six times. That's a full minute of your life. You're never getting back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, also, like, sometimes it happens in the middle of the match where you DC hey, or Rui, something. You got you to log if in. You launch, if you're launching Paragon six times, You've already wasted a lot more time with your life. Hey, dude. <laughs> oh, hey, dude. Fuck fired. you. Fuck you, Glock. You didn't just waste a minute. I'm going to stab you um, when we go to Gamescom. Just letting you know. Here's the, here's the question that I had, and that is uh, we all have our complaints about the DualShock 4. I think it's the best. What? what? Who I the hell complained the about DualShock 4? Who complained 4? about the DualShock 4? It's the best finish. controller ever made. I think it's the best controller ever made too. It is. Okay. But the battery life on that thing is shit. Oh, yeah. Because the light bar is just taking a dump all the time. So there's been quite a bit of um, battery life improvements since that product was designed. You think we might see, because I know with the DualShock 3, remember it started on the six axis, which had no rumble features and worse battery life than the DualShock 3. And I think the DualShock 3 actually had another revision come out afterward that had better battery life. What if they redesigned the DualShock 4 so that it lasts longer with this with this console announcement? That'd be sick. That would be sick, but the problem remains the light bar and the more and the deeper we go into VR territory, the more likely you are to you know have that light bar be there forever. Mhm. Mm but yeah, that that's all I had to say. <laughs> For those of our listeners out there, Globku is just fanboying out, showing off all his DualShock 4 collection. I have a problem. Every time I see a new DualShock, I have to buy it. And I don't need these many controllers. You do yeah, have I'm a problem. I'm the same way, except I don't but buy them. But it's so awesome. I do like the DualShock. It is nice. Although, although I got, I gotta be honest. I, I, I love the fact that Sony keeps saying, "Oh, we can't turn off the the light. It's just, it's like embedded into the thing." You plug it. You plug that thing into a PC with one of those um, driver programs that you can use the thing on the PC. You go to the light off. bar and just like off. <laughs> it's off. It's yeah. like I'm sorry. There's a switch. Just let us turn the damn thing off. Like seriously, if someone wants, if someone wants to have their light on so that they can identify who's player one and who's player two, they can do that. Just give us the option. But honestly, nobody cares. Nobody cares about the damn light on this controller. I'm yeah, sorry. How many people even have the freaking PSI anyways to interact with it? You know I don't I mean? have it. Like, a small percentage of people have PSI. Yep. And if you don't have PSI, it's like, what is the light bar doing for you? Not a whole lot. Like I told you, it's it's when you're doing couch co-op, which there's not that many games to do couch co-op oh, on. No, no. The, it gives you a different destiny. Like I've I, I've used it on Destiny a lot. Where uh, it this was when I first got the PlayStation Four, and the light was uh, with uh, with the brightness setting to set to default. Now it's set to dim, so I don't feel that anymore. But basically, when I was playing in the dark and I took a lot of damage, the light would change to red. So basically, yeah. it wasn't just a life bar telling me, oh, you're about to die. It was the whole room because the whole room would become red. So that 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 stuff is neat. Yeah, it's Warframe, cool. But it Warframe did just... something similar, which is when you were shooting, it would like flash all kinds of lights through your light bar. Yeah. So like if you were in the dark, it would be really weird because you're just like, what the fuck is happening? You'd start it's shooting cool, it's like flashing. But it's not worth it's not worth the battery. I'm no, sorry. it's so not. So hopefully they revised the DS4 uh, with the Neo launch. I'd like to see a new battery in there. 
a new battery in that bitch. You're gonna keep the light bar around Sony, give us a better battery, and same cost. Okay. I don't know if they're releasing a new controller though. Speculation, my friend. That's so let's true. move on to a topic that average Adam is actually interested in discussing. <laughs> That's a good idea. I like this plan. I'm excited to be a part of it. Okay. So now, Adam, we're gonna be respectful of people who don't want their shit spoiled with this. Yes, topic. I'm, not, I'm not gonna actually spoil because Adam is like uh he's like Sherlock Holmes when it comes to finding leaks for games that he wants. See, he's like the leak machine. I was finding it. He's like a plumber. Oh. He's just locating leaks and then oh, there's, like, there's like one page that I, I look at. Um, <laughs> so. my strategy is bookmarking that page. Exactly. <laughs> it every so often. Exactly. That's yeah, my every day. skills. Every day. So um you guys know we've been covering uh Alpha Ruby Omega Sapphire on the channel. And that was actually something we decided to do in preparation for Pokemon Go. Because we thought that Pokemon Go was going to come out this holiday season. Um, so we started the Let's Play of Auros. And we're like, okay, we're getting ready for Go. We're getting ready for Sun and Moon. And then Go comes out in July. Mid-July. July, and ruined all of our plans. We weren't prepared to like do Go stuff. And really we're still new. not prepared. Um, but anyways, so we're still excited about Sun and Moon, which comes out in November for the mm -hmm. 3DS. It remains to be seen if there's any functionality planned for this game on NX. They did at E3 state that there would be some form of Go integration at, at some point in the future. We'll have to wait and find out. But for those of you Gen 1ers out there, people who've been playing Pokemon since the dawn of time, um, you've got a lot to be excited about with this game. Mm -hmm. And I think that a big part of their strategy is realizing that they fucked up with Gen 4, 5, and 6, which is, you know, number one, way too many Pokemon. Number two, the least popular games. Uh, and three, the design is just bad, right? So in Gen 6, which is X and Y, they did the Mega Evolutions, which gave the Gen 1 Pokemon a new face. Like we got Mega Charizard, Mega Blastoise, Mega Venusaur. That was genius marketing because. Um, millions of Gen 1 fans, myself included, became intrigued by the game. I remember the marketing material for that when they showed uh, Mega Charizard. I was like, shit, I might have to play this game now. The Fu Manchu. So it's really, really smart. Huh? The Fu Manchu on the Charizard. Doesn't one of the evolutions have like a Fu Manchu? I think X had the black one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's yeah, got, he does. He's got, got a Fu Manchu. The Fu Manchu on the Charizard. That's the way to I go. I think it's man. coming out of his nostrils. The flames are coming out of his nostrils. <laughs> but anyway. Right. So they the whole redesign of Gen 1 Pokemon is a really strong strategy, but it's also twofold in that there's too many damn Pokemon. So for someone mm -hmm. to start like coming into the latest game and learning the entire roster of like a thousand Pokemon is ridiculous. It it can't do it. Like I'm I've been playing Pokemon since Red and Blue, and I don't know half of them because how names. many Pokemon do you think there are right now, Angus? What what would your guess be? Like not there's counting this new gen that's coming out. There's close to 800. I think there's like 750 something. 721 currently with the new gen coming in. We don't know how many gen coming in. in there's 720. Okay, so less than 700 right now. Too many no, no, of them. There's 720 right now. We don't okay. know how many there's going to be in the new gen. Yeah, there's too many of them. Yeah. So 
Like I'm I'm still learning Gen 3 since I got back in <laughs> X and Y. So <laughs> and I consider myself a pretty hardcore Pokemon player, right? Mm-hmm. Gens 4 and 5 just got all this hogwash in there that I don't want to have anything to do with. And so they're making the right move, right? They're erasing that bad era of Pokemon by just redesigning the Gen 1 Pokemon, which everyone knows and loves. So they're calling it the Alolan form. Alo- mm-hmm. Alola is the name of the new mm-hmm. island or series of islands mm-hmm. straight out of Hawaii. Um, but I don't know if you guys have seen the marketing material. Rui and Globku, I've got uh, some pages there. If you want to look at the Alola forms. No, yeah. dude, because so I don't want to get spoiled. Like, remember how spoilers, Adam spoiled these aren't spoilers. These are these these are spoilers. These, these are news leaks. It's just, I don't... Like, listen, here's the thing. For me, the thing about playing a Pokemon game is like discovering all the stuff like i didn't even want it to see the shift tree thumbnail before we evolved the nuzleaf you know what i'm saying yeah so it's like to me that spoils and the other day adam was like oh dude you're gonna love the fire cat have his final form it's right here and i was like dude fuck you <laughs> that's spoilers man i don't want to watch that stuff yeah you don't have to look at it if you don't want yeah. to but uh it is a really cool idea i mean it's it's growing on me when i first saw them start to reveal like they, they got the shan- the sand shrew right the freaking mm-hmm. ice steel Sancho. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. I'm not sure I like that. You know, why don't you just leave Sancho alone? And then I got to thinking, well, either they do this or they start making brand new Pokemon with, you know, the types that they need to balance out the roster. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, well, then that's more Pokemon that people have to learn. At least I recognize Sancho, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he's got this, he's got one name. So, yeah, it's cool. And the, the concept is the Pokemon from um, Kanto which is the Gen 1 area, mm-hmm. um, somehow got fragmented and inhabited Alola, which is this new region. And when they got there, they, they adapted. adapted. Yeah. And they changed their types and their appearances. Yep. But they're still very much recognizable. Like the freaking Ninetales is probably the biggest stretch, either that or I the love- Marowak. But mm. Ninetales went from being straight fire to ice fairy which is she Pretty looks awesome. she looks totally different but still recognizable so it's it's cool that they managed to pull that off what are your thoughts on all this adam i i like it because like you said they could add you know a couple hundred more pokemon to fill up all the types or just take ones they already have uh people like the the first gen already so being able to see new forms of it is kind of cool um it's unknown whether or not mega evolutions are returning or not we've heard nothing about it so uh, if they decide to completely omit Mega Evolutions uh, and just go with this new thing and just add type changes for old Pokemon from other regions and just show how they've adapted to this region, I think that's really cool because it adds new type combos that we haven't seen before or type combos that have been around but haven't been huge. Like like you said, Ice Fairy is a new type we've never seen before. And we don't know how that'll affect the uh, the meta or the... The competitive gameplay but i think it's really unique i think it's going to be a very exciting generation for competitive people in general and collectors. yeah and i think like i said it's twofold it's a very strategic thing so for 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 people who um don't want to feel like they're being suckered in like the gen one players that don't want to feel like they're being kind of tempted to play this game um you could say well we're just trying to consolidate the amount of Pokemon we're adding to keep it more beginner friendly. But yes. let's be honest, 
They are redesigning Gen 1 Pokemon for the sake of getting the old original players back into the game. As far Which, as we know, the only ones that are changing that have been revealed are Gen 1s, but there could be others. Yeah. Which I don't have a problem with, personally. Why would they Why would they remove um, Mega Evolutions? I mean, I know the uh, game is I don't designed... know if they would or not. That's the thing. We, they, we haven't even heard anything about whether or not they're even in the game. So we don't know. I don't see that happening. Like, we're still waiting on some... Like, we're still waiting on the Megas. I keep talking about this in our playthrough. We're waiting on the Megas for the Gen 2 starters. Yep. Like, and if they, if they did, uh, if they did those, it would definitely make it into this next game. So Yeah. And then we need that Mega Evolution for fucking uh, Arcanine. Mm -hmm. I need a Mega Arcanine. Or just mm -hmm. a different Arcanine. Wink. Yeah, there is probably going to be a different Arcanine. But, mm -hmm. um, yeah, so... This is this is something that we're looking forward to. I mean, Rui and Globku don't have a lot to say about this because they're not much Pokemon players. Rui refuses. Old Man Portugal refuses to look at the announcements because he wants to discover everything blind. Of course. I mean, what, what do you think is going to be a better experience for our audience? For me to know all these things? For me to know, oh, yeah, I know exactly what this thing is going to evolve into. Yeah, Adam, thanks, man. I know he's going to be a wrestling <laughs> cat. And he's like, no. It's yeah. a lot cooler to experience it on the spot. People are going to like it, I think. Poplio is the best. So yeah, but it's a, it's a marketing push, dude. Poplio is cute. I like his the best. I like his final evolution. Who is the best? Poplio. Poplio, the water type. Huh. Water types make me sick. <laughs> I don't like that scoff. <laughs> Water types make me sick. <laughs> I actually, I saw the leak of its final form, and the first thing I said to Adam is that it needs to be put down. <laughs> put it down. No, okay. I actually oh, like yeah. its design. It's kind of cool. Anyway. Uh, yeah, so that's, that's Sun and Moon, guys. There's a lot of updates going on for it. Hopefully this game does leave the 3ds uh because these are amazing games but the, the big thing about sun and moon is that it's designed it's it's a different game director from game freak than all the other games right i can't remember his name the guy who directed like red and blue and all through gen 6 is now passing off the baton to a new director who is in charge of sun and moon and that's the real reason that we see massive changes like the removal of HMs in this game. Right, Rui? Yeah, there's no HMs? gyms in this game. HMs HM. are kind of a tedious thing, right? Yes, you can only they have are. Four, yeah. four moves, and then usually the HMs are something you don't want. Uh, so it's just kind of tedious and annoying. So you don't have to do that in Sun and Moon? Sun and Moon, they're removing that shit. Thank God. They're also removing Jesus. the uh, typical format that every game has gone with, with the go do eight gyms, go do the Elite Four. That's not a thing in this game. There are no gyms. Good. So it got pretty stale. And in fact, awesome. the whole franchise got pretty stale after mm -hmm. Gen 3. They just started like face rolling on it. I mean, let's the be honest. The epitome I always point to is, is Clef Key. A, f a Pokemon's a fucking key ring. Hey, that thing is like freaking meta as hell right now. It's one of I the know, best. I know, I have one. It's just <laughs> like, the, the thing is, you guys have seen the episodes and you've seen the way that we just face roll all the gyms, right? It's just like, oh, Air Gym? Dude, freaking Golem is in there just destroying <laughs> everyone. Like this one Pokemon from start to finish destroyed everyone in that gym like it crushed their hopes and dreams forever they were scarred for a lifetime yeah yeah 
Yeah, the gyms are not particularly difficult, but Rui, you can't really talk because you grind the bush. It's a kids' so, game too, so guys. <laughs> so, what's the thing you're looking forward to the most in Sun and Moon? With the Me? information we have, Adam. Yeah. Um. God, there's just so much, and I can't talk about any of it on here because someone will yell at me. Uh, but you just can talk the about whole features, gonna... dude. Talk about all the features you want. Um, let me pull up the features here. There's just quite a few uh, little things, like just the the change of dynamic from going on this giant region, and the region itself looks very small, like really, really small. Actually, I was actually surprised how small it is. It's just four little islands, and that's it. There, there's there's nothing else on this map that we've seen uh, that's anywhere near the size of any of the other regions. So. The exploration in this game, the whole new story that they're doing is huge. Uh, one of the other things they're doing, which I think is really amazing, is uh, getting rid of IVs. Well, they're not getting rid of them, but you can actually raise IVs. Yeah, now. you can change them. Mm -hmm. uh, that was one of the most infuriating things. If you guys don't know IVs, are their individual values? They don't have to breed. You do to a point. Um, right now, currently in the in the games, you have to breed for uh, the abilities you want the po the the attacks you want them to have the ability you want him to have and the IVs that you want him to have. Uh, Cause an, an IV is basically like you can train like us, my, me, myself, I could train forever to become a, uh, a runner, a sprinter in the Olympics, but I will never be as good as the people who were born with the bodies, the black men from Africa. They were born with the <laughs> bodies to do these. Hey, hey you gotta admit that that's, that's where most of them are, for, are from. That are born with the bodies that are just able to, crush at, at long distance running and, and sprinting and stuff uh that's essentially what ivy is for this pokemon was born with the innate ability to be better Natural at attacking talent. exactly but yeah, in so. this new game if you level a guy to level 100 uh you can then start to power up its ivs through this new training process which i think is absolutely amazing thank it god sounds, it sounds grindy as hell but yeah the ability to change those or at least have more control over them is is a mm -hmm. welcome change because before to get like a six IV Pokemon, which is six perfect values, basically perfect genetics. Yep. It's straight up GMO at that point. Complete eugenics, dude. Change. Complete eugenics. Um, yep. It takes a long time. And even if you have the perfect parents, you still have to rely on RNG just to get those values right. Yeah. And so it can take you a week to breed a perfect Snorlax. Yeah, right? and this is why um, Adam loves Ark. You guys remember that eugenics operation on the squad? Hey, that was server, that was Pure Shield, not me. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah. Did yeah, you yeah. see Pure Shield's projects he had going on? <laughs> yeah, so he, he was breeding like ten gigas at a time. <laughs> Adam wants he, he wants to be able to change the IVs. Me personally, I think the thing I'm most excited for is uh, is the simplified combat system, because yeah. right now it's extremely complicated in X and Y, Sun and Moon, or excuse me, uh, Oros. They're simplifying it in Sun and Moon um, so that it's more beginner friendly, but it also, I think, will make the competitive scene actually more competitive because it'll get more people into it because mm -hmm. there's a lower barrier to entry and it will subsequently become more competitive. So one of the things we're looking to do with Sun and Moon just for the hell of it is is actually play competitive and you know mm -hmm. do streams of battles against viewers or climbing the ladder or whatever. Yeah. And I think that the combat system in this game is going to be a lot better just because of that fundamental change of making the system more simple or at the, least the change not he's talking about complicated 
yeah, the change he's talking about is basically uh, on an attack now, when you go to select an attack on your bottom screen, it'll tell you whether or not it's effective against the fault, the, the defense or the other Pokemon. So if you have a psychic move and the enemy is a poison type, it'll tell you this move will be super effective if you use it. So people that the, the, the type chart is ridiculous. And for a new player, I really probably does, still doesn't have a grasp of it because it's it's. Weird it's the hell. poison, dude. The poison always gets me. I never know what the fuck yeah. counters poison. <laughs> <laughs> Weak to ground. And the psychic, It's the poison and the psychic. They always get me. Yeah. <laughs> he always mixes yeah. up psychic and fighting. He's always like trying to what? freaking uh, rock smash a psychic type. I'm like, dude, no. No. Um, dude, that's okay. wrong for the fighting I can too. I can oh, beat really? up everything. No. I can beat up everything, okay? Everything yeah, that's you that's want to beat up. Come on, Rui. Yeah, Sun man. and Moon in uh, in November. It's shaping up pretty dope. Mm-hmm. Can't wait to see that Mega Arcanine and Mega Typhlosion, Mega Meganeum, Mega Meganeum, dude, and Mega Feraligator. Yeah. Uh, okay. So last topic. Um, there is a game coming out or being announced at PAX West, which is later this month, uh, called Old Man's Journey. And I know this is a game that's ba- it's an autobiography. <laughs> Based off of uh, the life of Rurikon. It's from a developer called Broken Rules. Um, it sounds like me is, too. The platform is to be determined, and it's a puzzle adventure game. Um, so I, I typically, when I go to PAX, used to be called PAX Prime. Yeah. Uh, now they're calling it PAX West because they can't show any favoritism, even though it started in Seattle. Uh, but yeah, it's now called PAX West, and it's about a 20-minute drive for me, so I typically go every year. Um, and the only thing I like to do there, besides meet up with people I know, is go upstairs to where they keep all the indie games of these starving artists who are making indie games and just trying to make it in the industry and just test out their games. I bought a poster last year for, um, what's it called? Uh, the game with the brick tons. You know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Castle Story? Yeah, these guys, they've been developing this game for like six fucking years. And I just try to support them because I like their game, but they got a long way to go. Anyway, Old Man's Journey is going to be there, Rui. Are you going to fly out to um, to see the game that's based on it's based on your life? Can I expense it? Because <laughs> I will. <laughs> Depends on how expensive your ticket is. Oh, it's going to be expensive. <laughs> No, wait a second, wait a going second. on a journey. <laughs> wait a second, wait a second, though. I mean, uh, isn't November BlizzCon as well? It's in it August, is. dude. When, when is PAX West? It's, it's this month. Uh, uh, I think it's the first weekend of September. Oh, shit, you're right. September 2nd. Yeah. Mm. I th- last year was in August. Yeah, so it's September 2nd, really. Um, yeah. And then fly out to New York, attend the PlayStation event. You never need to leave the U.S. That's Dude, the beauty of it. I don't even, Everything happens over there. I don't Listen, I don't even know why I need to come back home. I'll just fly from Cologne straight to the U.S. and just yeah. stay there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I was looking up games that were going to be announced at PAX or that were going to be at PAX West, and Old Man's Journey is really the one that stuck out to me. Old so man knees are aching. I need to go on my journey. I'm I'm looking at the video. Like, of it right I now. thought that I knew Rurikon. No, listen. Uh, old man, until... old man's journey is when I go play Pokemon Go. It's an old man's <laughs> journey. 
Well, yeah, it's it's based on a true story though. Uh-huh. But I mean, when I when I was looking at this game, I thought that I knew you, and then this game just like transformed my idea of your of your life story. You don't even it, was, know. it was really special. It looks like a Spanish setting. Oh, it's so Spanish it setting. It looks like a Tim Schafer game. Okay, now I have it to does. see this. It does. Old man's it does. Journey. Yeah. And I mean, there's there's not a lot to see. I, I guess you can check the art style. Yeah. Uh, I thought they had to get you to sign off on all this stuff, right? Oh, that does look like me. Except I still have hair, unlike that guy. He doesn't have hair anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Old man's journey. All right, guys. Um, we're going to call it here. We got some more streams later today. I think next up, we are doing a Paragon stream. No, no we're doing Fortress, Fortress, Legends. Fortress Legends. Fortress Legends. Yeah, 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 we're doing Fortress Legends and then probably Paragon after that. And then we're also doing a No Man's Sky audition from uh, one of the guys who signed up for the Become a Squadron Member contest. Mm-hmm. He's going to be auditioning later today, this evening. 6 p.m. So yeah. Stay tuned for that, guys. Um, thank you for listening. Give a video a thumbs up if you're watching on YouTube. Remember, guys, if you want to give us future suggestions uh for things to talk about on the show it doesn't have to be gaming related then leave that on the comments section of our youtube channel the video page that's youtube.com slash user slash games and subscribe if you haven't already peace out everybody much love bye guys